Welcome to Ease, the entertainment and showbiz experiences podcast. It's all things entertainment based, how to get into it and how to develop it into something once you are ready to move on. All the information people didn't tell you, forgot to tell you, or were too busy to tell you, all told through personal experiences. In the season one finale, the tables are turned, and my friend and fellow season one interviewee, Tom Reagan, takes the time out to find out more about, well, me. We discuss starting in dance, negotiating college, the heartbreaks during college, my robust career in the cruise line industry, and what I'm doing now. He springs the top five on me, so listen to see what I say. Thank you so much for listening to this incredible season filled with amazing advice from leading industry professionals and my dear friends. Season two is in the works, so stay connected via social media for new content. Release dates are expected to be in January 2020, right around the corner. Thanks so much again for listening and enjoy this week's one-on-one. All right, so how are we going to start this? Am I going to introduce this podcast or are you still going to do the intro or what? Well, you're doing the intro. I mean, you always yeah. do my intros. Uh, the intro, but what about like the 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 little thing that you say at the start? We're like, I'm today. We're talking today. You're going to be talking about yourself today. Yeah. We're going to be talking about me. <laughs> yeah, today we're going to be talking all things me. <laughs> Love that. Actually, keep that. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, <laughs> copy and paste that one. All right. Do you know how it goes, Tommy? Yeah, I've got it. I've got it here. And you, like I said, you can go off and do whatever you want. I'm nervous. Yeah. I'm excited. Right. I feel comfortable you? with you. So it's going to be fine. Okay, cool. Well, hi, TJ. Hi, Tom. This The tables have turned for us today, haven't they? It has. So, I'm nervous. I'm excited. I'm all of things. I'm all the okay. things. Okay, great. But I don't, I don't know whether this was your idea and you just didn't talk about it, but I'm just going to claim it as my idea. So I've been listening to your podcast for a little while now, but all I want to know is information about you, considering that this is your baby and, and you're talking to this, all these amazing people, but you yourself are an amazing person. So I thought, let's turn the tables and let's do an interview to get to know TJ and all of his entertainment and showbiz experience. Yeah, um, I I will say, Tom, you were probably one of the first vocal people that said, "Oh, I want to, I would love to hear this about you." And then, of course, I was like talking to other people, like, "Yeah, that's a good idea." So I think that you could claim this idea as, as um, your own. And I'm so glad that it's you that's going to do this for me. Um, oh uh, yeah, I'm excited. Perfect, love that. All right, well, let's start and just let's let's talk about you growing up and um, where did you start and what what was the thing that started you to wanting to become the person you are today, like dancer. I'm I'm assuming you started to dance. I did. Um, so where it all started and sparked from was I am. Uh, I'm half Hawaiian, half Tahitian, so we have this historic. Polynesian restaurant in Fort Lauderdale where I was born and raised um, and they have a, a Polynesian review show um, and every Sunday they had a kids show and they decided they wanted to start it again and they had a good group of people so it was me and my sister and then another good set of family friends two other good sets of family friends I like they were basically cousins the six of us we started this kids show and it kind of evolved to something really big and we wound up being like this the the second string for the adults so the show Mm -hmm. turned out really big so that was my very first performance um that I ever did and my first dancing I ever did was in Polynesian dancing and I um I liked it I liked dancing. I liked rehearsing. I liked all of it. But I also, um, parallel to that, was I had the privilege of being in the performing arts uh, programs in Broward County. So I started my local elementary school. They started uh, performing arts in in the, the elementary school. So it was all brand new to everybody. So they offered dance. They offered singing. They offered violin. They offered a whole plethora of things, art, visual arts, all those things. And we could mm-hmm. choose. So we we dabbled in all of them. And then we were able to choose one that we wanted to focus on. So I chose dance. And it on uh, I was in the third grade. And they really started for the fourth and fifth. And they were just trial periods for the third grade. But me and my best friend, Beth Velicki, she and I, we were, they 
ushered us into the program in the third grade. So mm-hmm. we were, I was starting to dance. I was probably eight, seven or eight when I was starting to dance in elementary school. So I trained in elementary school uh, for um, third, fourth and fifth grade. I also was doing the Polynesian show on Sundays. And then when I turned 10, I asked my mom, I said, mom, I think I'm ready to like do this full time. I'm ready to go. Um, I want to go to a studio. So the only studio we knew is, um, I think I told the story when I was um, on the on Angela's podcast, Angela Monty's yeah, so podcast. Yes, I could be talking about like wait, the with the studio that you started at. Yeah, and I we drove down the street and we turned in and we were ready to go. We look at the door and they're like, we've moved. And I was like, oh gosh, I think this is a sign. <laughs> this is totally a sign. But lo and behold, my mom's like, do you want to do this? And I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. So I go and we just, it's right down the street. So we go in down the street and I get signed up and I start taking tap and jazz. I start really diving deep into classical ballet. Um, again, I was still going to my elementary school performing arts. I was dancing uh, three times a week in my studio. And I also was doing the um, Sundays at the Mai Kai. So how uh, many contact hours was that for dance then? Um, roughly? It started off probably, so I had a tap and jazz class, probably one or two ballet classes. So that was, I was probably four hours at my studio when I was starting. And then I was dancing probably every single day at my, at my elementary school. So at least five. So that's about eight and a half hours um, a week when I was starting in elementary school. And then probably that one hour on Sunday. So about nine to 10 hours a week when I was just in elementary school. Okay, and you mentioned you mentioned earlier that like your your cousins and stuff were involved in this show in the mm-hmm. restaurant. So does that mean does that are you saying that your family danced? Did anyone else like your mum or your dad or your older uh, older siblings? Did they also dance? Yeah. So my sister is um, she also danced with me, and she is um, deeply rooted into the uh, the Polynesian culture. She still dances with a group today, and she um, is a Hawaiian dancer, and she dances Tahitian, and she learns the culture, and she goes to um, halals. That's kind of like. Um, where they learn the culture, the dancing, all of it together under the the under somebody who teaches them who's uh, affirmed or um, who knows exactly what what to do. Um, so she still is dancing in that. She dabbles in um, like a modern day dance. So she does. Uh, she actually takes my jazz class that I teach now. But she's more of a Hawaiian dancer. My mom really wasn't um, a dancer. She is a dance supporter, but she mm-hmm. never was a, a dancer herself. My father actually is a very well-known um, Tahitian drummer. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so he has um, g- gotten a lot of groups together. Even when I was younger, he was pretty. Um, he was a drummer, and then now he's got a group in Tahiti and Hawaii that he is part of that he drums with. Um, and I, we just went to a Tahitian conference where he was drumming and I got to see him play and see the group that he put together. And it was, um, it's great. So kind of this musical background is in deeply rooted in me. Um, just, I chose a different path. I wanted to go into more of like a concert dance. But I feel like, I feel like it's still within your family, even, even Mm -hmm. though it's a different style, you've got that. The rhythms, you know, the they say the island rhythms that come with people that come from those those places, you know. So it's it's interesting to know that you that's I mean that would have been some sort of would have had some sort of effect on you, even if it isn't exactly the same style. Yeah, it definitely has a it definitely it definitely helped that 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 music kind of ran through my blood just a little bit. Mm. Um, I think what I threw my family for a loop was when I was said, oh, I wanna I wanna dance, like I wanna be. Uh, a trained classical yes. dancer. My mom yes. was my mom was all for it. I think my family within the Hawaiian culture and the Tahitian culture, sometimes they when somebody says they don't want to do a Hawaiian or Tahitian dancing, it kind of throws them for a loop a little bit more. My mom, she was like, let's do it. Um, but and I grew up with my mom, so she was fully supporting it and she thought that um that it was the best thing for me. And right. then so you, you you pulled into this dance class and you've been mm-hmm. doing it with um angela was it angela was she yeah 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 so tell us about your experience with within this school so angela so angela teaches um she has her studio is called dance dimensions it's in fort lauderdale so it's a private um 
I'm trying to know. I'm trying to equate it to something in Australia. It's a privately owned business, so I would go to school during the day, and then I would go to Angela's and and the evening. After well, that's pretty. Evening. That's pretty standard for our dance schools here. Okay. We, we we're not often not often looking at schools that do both. There are there are schools out there, but mm-hmm. that's that's pretty common here. Okay, so perfect. So it's the same exact thing. I went to school. I. I Along with my elementary performing arts school, I was then um, I auditioned for my middle school that uh, had a performing arts um, program in Broward County. So I went to Parkway Middle and I and I danced there for three years. And then when I was in eighth grade, I auditioned to go to Dillard Center for the Arts, which is the performing arts high school in Broward County. And I got accepted and went there. So as I got older, of course, the more hours that mounted at school and so I went from dancing maybe one hour a day at school to dancing in in middle school to maybe two hours a day and then Mm -hmm. when I was high school I was dancing three four hours a day Um, and then I also was going to the studio as you get older again you progress and you get more classes so I was at the studio maybe two days a week when I was in elementary school middle school and then I was moving to three days a week and then I also was part of the Fort Lauderdale Children's Ballet Theater that and that's Angela's um, ballet company that's associated with the studio um, yes. and that rehearsed on Fridays and Saturdays so I wound up then then sneaking in there five days a week in the fall and <laughs> then five days turns into six days and then I realized when I was 14 or 15 that I was there you know we were I, I lived there it was like my second home and I really loved it and I found um, great stability there I felt um I found a lot of um, solid technique there. And I also found a lot of, um, it was great because when I was in high school, I had a program at school, at my high school, that was more modern based and contemporary. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. had, a, at my studio, I was very uh, classically trained. So I had a great balance of both when I was growing up and in those formative years. But again, I was, uh, after, while doing all those things, I would go away in the summers. I was at Houston Ballet. I was at Virginia School of the Arts. I went to Herrick Conservatory. So I was trying to really soak in all of this classical information when I was young to see if this was something that I wanted to do. Yeah, well, it seems like well, classical foundation. I've always believed the classical foundation is the most important foundation when it comes to dance. It's the same thing when I teach. Um, singing, I always teach a more of a classical technique because I feel like that's it creates the better dances, the stronger dances, and the more reliable dances when they come from a classical background. Yeah, there's a wh- there's a lot to be said about having a solid a solid base to build on because less injury, l- um, more uh, endurance, the duration of time that you can in your career that you can you can withstand with all of the hardships on your body. So there is a lot. With, that I um, that I'm actually quite thankful for that I spent all those years really trying to hone and craft. I'm going to skip forward a little bit and just ask yeah. a question about about your technique. Have mm-hmm. did you find it hard transitioning from a classical technique into styles like hip hop or jazz or JFH? If you ever had to do them, were you always a little bit on the back foot when it came to those styles? Um, let's see. Uh. I really didn't have to do a humongous shift because contemporary uh, was starting to evolve when I was when I was starting to dance. So contemporary dance was just a mesh of maybe modern and jazz Mm -hmm. and modern and jazz and classical ballet. Uh, So I was there. I could do and I could um, handle. And I was also taking jazz and tap while I was at my studio. So I still kept up with the rhythms. I kept up with uh, different shapes, body shapes in jazz. So I was able to isolate. I was able to do all those things. I mean, when I was in L.A., that was the biggest wake up call for me when I when you go to auditions and majority of auditions in L.A. are hip hop or um they're street jazz um, oriented mm. and that it's is, a commercial scene right yes it's a hugely commercial scene and there is space there is a space for contemporary dancers out there but for the most part you're gonna you're gonna be staying next to a b-boy and you're gonna be staying next to somebody that's gonna flip and you're gonna be standing next to somebody that's gonna be doing something completely out of your wheelhouse and you know what i found out there is i did have to yes i did have to adapt and i did have to adjust 
but also I did have to find my my voice clearer because if I could sep I had to separate myself from everybody else and the thing that was going to separate myself from everybody else was my solid classical training that I can mm. add a flair on top of so yeah. I was able to stand next to somebody that was doing hip hop and somebody that was a b-boy and they were flipping and all those things but I could use my technique flexibility and my my grace and fluidity to stand out against the juxtaposition of all of those people so it mm. kind of I did have to really dive deep into the, I had to jump into the deep end with hip hop, but I also had to find a clearer voice for myself as well. Yeah, right. And so did you move to LA straight out of uh, high school or was, was there, did you go to college in Florida first or what happened after you finished high school? So I graduated high school in May of 01. In March of 01, we, my high school went every year to um, a high school dance festival. Now, mm -hmm. it alternated. It was, a, it was a regional high school dance festival, and then it was a national, a regional, and a national. So our national was um, my freshman and junior year. So my senior year and my sophomore year was a regional. So we went to this regional dance festival. I had yet zero applications to college. Mm -hmm. Zero. This is mm -hmm. March. People are like already, they're like, yes, I got into the school. I'm going, I'm going. I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I had no idea. So I go to this festival and I just have a good time. I, I'm at the audition. I have a good time. I show off my technique and I then I start talking to recruiters. Recruiters are wanting to talk to me and I'm realizing, wow, I think I actually can go to college. I mm -hmm. think it's possible to get recruited. And at this time, a lot of schools had... Um, did spend a lot of time at these events. They were really looking for people to come to their schools. Um, but at this time also, I was um, in talks with dancing with a company in... Um, no, actually, that was not the case. No, I went... <laughs> no, this is... I After, when I was in college, leaving college, it was a different story. Leaving high school, I went to this um, festival and... Yeah, I, it was a four-day festival. On the fourth day, people were like, let's talk. I got home. I talked on the phone with a few people. I mean, on a landline, not even on a cell mm -hmm. phone. I had a landline. Yep. It's probably we still a rotary phone, right? <laughs> yeah, back in the day. Yeah. I was on a landline looking at, like, a calendar that we hung on the wall. And they were like, we want to talk to you this. And then I started talking to probably two I, talk, I started talking to five schools and then whittled it down to three and then it was between two. Lo and behold, my mother has no idea that I'm doing this. Oh. Like, shh. I did all my negotiating by myself. Wow. Yeah. I told my mom after the fact. I said, Mom, um, because remember, I'm at school, you know, four hours a day dancing. I come home, I only have like an hour and a half before I have to be at the studio for three to three to five hours. So yeah. I do all of this in my one and a half hour. My mom comes and picks me up at like 530. I get home at, or I have to go be at the studio at 530. So I'm doing all these negotiating. I tell one school, no, this is fine. I'm sorry. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to, I can't, I, I just cannot come to your school. Um, so I'm down between two people and then I just love, love, love what my university, I went to Towson University. Um, mm -hmm. Dennis Price was the chairperson and he was just really trying hard and he really he really um, illustrated what my college career was going to look like. And I really liked that. Mm -hmm. um, this was a funny thing, too, is that I said yes to to Dennis um, and leading up into the event when I went to the to the festival. I had was talking to my mom and I said, mom, you know what? I really appreciate what you did for me when I was when I was growing up and what you offered to me. I want to make sure that you don't have to pay for school. Yeah. And she, of course, my mom was like, no, 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 no. That's not that's not an issue. Um, but yeah. for me, I really thought so. I really wanted yeah. to, you know, that was, I felt strongly about that because she had done so much for me. So when I that was like a fuel in this search to find a school that was going to be the perfect fit for me. And so Dennis really was able to illustrate that for me. And I saw my, my four years there really well laid out. And they had, he had, he had told me a few things that were in the pipeline for my first year. And I couldn't, I couldn't say no. And 
then my academics came into play and I graduated with like a 4.2 GPA. So I was on top of my class. I think I was like mm-hmm. number 17 in my class. I was so not only was I talented, I was smart. Um, so I was able to get multiple scholarships and I was able to the promise that I made to my mom, I was able to fulfill. And I went to school um, uh, and I didn't have any debt. I was I was able to go to school merely for free. That is absolutely incredible. The fact that you achieved that and and on your own, essentially, you you weren't using yeah. any anyone's help when, in negotiation, and you were just able to to prove to yourself and to others that you could do it with it on your own back. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. Um, a, in retrospect, I mean, it probably was the craziest thing that I that <laughs> I'd ever done. Like I was negotiating yeah. with, like, chair people of universities yeah. without my yeah. mom knowing. Yeah, <laughs> like. I mean, she she knew. I think she knew some of it, but and sometimes I was like on, I was like on call waiting with two people, and <laughs> like I was just like making these decisions. But I, I mean, my mom stood behind me when I said I wanted to go to Towson. Why I wanted to go to Towson? I mean, the thing that was pretty awkward and weird about it is that I said yes, and I had never stepped foot on the campus. My very first day. Wow on the campus usually people go tour they're like i love this school i love this space no i like stepped foot and i was like okay day number one here we go (laughs) actually you know what that's the same for me i i didn't i had never been to the college because i went to college in singapore i had never been to the college i'd never seen it before i before i went to my first day at la salle so i know 100 percent what that feels like it's just it's it I mean, it's surreal because you're like, all these people know these, like, what, what's happening. I have no idea where any of these things are. Like, clueless about the procedures. Yeah. Didn't know where I lived. I'm, yeah. It was the weirdest feeling. And my mom's was just like, like, going along with it. She's like, oh, this is great. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> she has no idea what's happening just as much as you. <laughs> yeah. We're going at like, like Where's the party at? Yeah, we're like two blind mice going through this. Yeah. And she's like, this is great. <laughs> so you obviously were you were destined to be in the entertainment industry because you started at such a young age. Yeah. Um, after college, like, what was your decision to to progress further? What, what was the next step once you'd finished college? Um, so... It was interesting because leading up to college, I made a choice to myself that I wanted to take a few, a, I say a few, but it was a humongous steps away from classical ballet. Wow. I, um, I was going really, really, really deep into classical ballet and I really liked it, but something about the, the next level of it that I didn't really like. Um, And I was at that point where I was visiting, I was going to ballet companies in the summer and I was training with them. And there was uh, people were talking to my mom about me going to boarding schools Mm. for the year, you know, and my mom and I had conversations. And how do you tell a child you want them, you want to send them away, but not because they were bad, but because they were good. Yeah, and exactly. So it was a hard choice for me. And that's something I think that's definitely each family is individual on the needs for their kids and their needs for their family. But for me, I just I felt I was getting it was I was getting too deep into it. So I needed well, to take a was, step back. Was it the boarding school that deterred you from it, or was it the 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 intensity of training that you were going to get yourself into that you were you were worried about? B. It was, said, no. it was definitely B. The intensity right. of the training. Yeah. The boarding okay. school thing was just uh it, it was just um an added feature onto the yeah. intensity of the training. I mean, I was already training at my studio four or five days a week for two and a half hours um a day in just in ballet. And then I was also going to another studio and I was dancing on the weekends, probably three more hours in ballet. And then I was at school. I was probably doing another hour and a half of ballet. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, it was a part-time job for me. Yeah. It was like, it was starting, it started to become a full-time job for me. And I had to make that choice. If I was going to do this, I was going to, I had to go all the way in. Like I had yeah. to variations. I had, to, you know, trainings. I had to, 
I had to really wrap my brain around it. And my brain was not wrapping around it. <laughs> so I think that's I think that's when I was just like, let me take a few steps back. I talked to my dance teacher, I talked to Angel Nice, and I think I sat down and said, Hey, listen, I'm I'm a little burnt out with this. And the the steps that she said, she said, Hey, listen, you stay in your stay in tap and jazz and see if you like it. And maybe that's something that you can continue doing. She would hate for hate for me to to stop dancing altogether. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to stop dancing. I found there was more fun and freedom in in this um, this tap and jazz and uh, world and this modern world that I was actually really diving deep into in high school. So when mm. I was in college, I um, again I I had to dive back deep into classical ballet, which was fine with me. I had taken a few steps back. I was ready to do it. I was ready to go. Um, yeah. And then I um, also I have. Um, I have my BFA, so I have dual uh, ballet and modern training. Though mm-hmm. so I do, uh, we had pretty, we were pretty heavy in the modern as well. Um, but I went through my ups and downs in college as well. I was in the highest level entering um, ballet as a, as a freshman. It's never happened before. It was me and two other people. We walked in at the highest level, and we were in it. I was in it. And then something happened and something triggered in me and I just wasn't in it anymore. And the school saw that and I actually got demoted a level. And that was something right. that never had happened before. And my professors kept talking. They're like, what's happening? And I said, I, you know, I just don't think my heart is in it in in that sort of capacity anymore. Yeah, and I was right. finding I was finding different outlets for it. I wanted I really loved my choreography classes. I really loved other classes that I that weren't dance anymore. I loved being around people. I loved making the friends in college. And I think that's um, socially, that was great for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because I was going there and my scholarship was so good, they were nervous that I was going to throw it all away. And they they demoted me. And then in my in my soft in our sophomore year, we have this thing called juries, and it's in our second semester. And we sit down, we make a video of every single exam we've done, plus some performance videos. And you sit down in front of all the professors that that teach at the university. And we get to mine. I opted to go first because I wanted a longer spring break. Mm-hmm. So I sat down first, and they were like, "Oh boy." This is going to get heavy and you have to have a moderator come in and take notes for you. So my good friend Siobhan, she came in, she sat down there and I mean, they, they were pretty, they were pretty correct with everything. They were disappointed in me and they, and they were worried that I wasn't taking care of my body enough because of my scoliosis. Oh yeah. P.S. I had scoliosis since I was seventh grade. Well, I heard this when you were talking to Angela on your on your last podcast because she mentioned it, and, I, and yeah, I had no idea. And this is this is funny for me because you and I we know each other, but we don't know each other like deeply. So I'm getting yeah. a lot of information about you right now. That's yeah, okay. So, oh my god, Tom! So rewind just a little bit. I wore a back brace from seventh grade. I had to wear this back brace for 21 hours. How on earth were you dancing in a back brace? Oh, okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, so I would take it off when I was dancing, okay. and then I would put it back on when I was done dancing. Right. But I slept in a back brace. I went My to school God. in a back brace. I mean, I was Romy and Michelle. Like, <laughs> hey, back brace girl, that was me. Like, did you I, invent? Did you invent post-it notes as well? Is that? I should have. I mean, <laughs> lo and behold, I was back brace girl. Like. Minus the, the the metal pieces and wearing it on the outside, that was me. Like uh, when she turns her head and makes that creaking sound. Yeah. Sometimes my um my loops because it had straps in the back that uh-huh. like velcroed together. And sometimes the the bolt would come a little loose, and I would squeak when I would turn, and I would be <laughs> so nervous to turn to one side because it would go. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I mean, Tom, how um mortifying. Yes, especially for a teenager. And like people would come and knock on me. (laughs) It was just just all plastic. I, okay, so let's just, okay, let's quickly go over that hurdle. I was in a back brace for all of high school and um, most of middle school. Um, I go to college and I say, hey, listen, I'm going to try to get back into ballet and I'm going to fix my, fix my back. Mm -hmm. So they're like, your scoliosis is is hindering you. Um, Your, um, 
something is wrong. You what's wrong with you? And of course, the entire everybody is just like going off on how they thought I was going to be better and I could be better. And you know what? I, I actually looked them in the eye and said, I know. I know. Everything that you're saying is right. I know. Because yeah. I, I couldn't. You can't. I couldn't. I didn't have an ex- excuse. I didn't have a reason. I was just like, you're right. I know. And I, I just didn't know how to explain it to them. So, of course, all of us are like, I'm sobbing. Mm-hmm. Everybody behind the table sobbing. And like my moderator, Siobhan, just like sitting in the corner <laughs> with her paper. And she's just like, uh. <laughs> we walk out and she's like, um, that was the deepest jury I think I've ever <laughs> witnessed and I said I'm really sorry but thank you you know but they were yeah. they were right like I was I liked other things I liked choreography I knew when going into high college that I loved choreography I loved mm-hmm. creating dances I loved how dances were crafted I loved I could see a whole entire dance in my head in, in one fell swoop I knew mm-hmm. exactly how it went um, my mind just opened up and worked like that. As soon as I took a huge leap back from from ballet, my mind just opened up to that world. So for me, I saw a lot of potential in that. And I, um, of course, I had a lot of great things that happened in Towson. I, I got so much better. I had really great training. I mean, I danced with world-renowned choreographers, like think people that I didn't even think was possible, like from yeah. Paul Taylor. I was in Jeffrey Holder's um, his documentary on his world famous piece called Dougla. I was the prince that that was in his documentary. Like wow, the Dance Theater of Harlem. That's their um, that's their signature dance, and it's very similar to like um, in association with uh, Alvin Ailey's Revelations. That's their signature dance. Mm-hmm. Dougla was kind of one of Dance Theater of Harlem's signature dances, and they used my school in the documentary. So I'm the prince that's in his documentary for his wow. world-renowned dance. So, that's I mean, I got, I got really good opportunities. I danced with firsthand from Ruth Adrian, from Paul Taylor. Like, she set a duet on me and, me and two girls um, alternating. So I got some really good really really good training there i just knew i wanted to do something else i wanted to be more i wanted to do more i mean that's funny that you say that because i know i know i know a lot of dancers from from working in this industry and it's often choreography is an afterthought for a lot of dancers it's not something that people go in knowing that it's what they want to do it's like well i can't dance so i I, i'm gonna you know try my avenues there's nothing wrong with that so it's interesting for me to hear you say that you knew from a really relatively young age that you you didn't want to dance you wanted to choreograph Mm -hmm. i i did i i did want to dance as well I okay. did want to dance, but I did also wanted to choreograph. That's a right. hard spot because dance you have to you almost have to choose one and keep steering down that path. Yeah. But I wanted to choreograph. And my school offered this amazing choreography series. We had every person had to take it. Two years. Full two years. And wow. you had to get in on a cycle. You the fourth um installment was either in the studio or the fourth installment was a camera based one. Yep. So you made a you made a dance for the camera, or you made a dance for the theater. So you mm-hmm. had to get in. It was every other year. So you planned it with your guidance counselor and said, "Okay, I'm going to do dance for the camera." I originally knew. I saw it my very first semester. I was like, "I'm doing this dance for the camera." Mm-hmm. It is. So I got into the to that the course at the right time, so I could do dance for the camera. I get to the dance for the camera course. I'm loving, loving, loving it, and then all of a sudden, I see probably one of my aha moments in college was this class that filmmakers and choreographers are together. We have yeah. a dance professor and a film professor in teaching the class. So it's, I mean, it's a heavy hitting course. Yeah. Um, and I, it was the first time in my life that I felt like I wanted, needed to stand up for myself um, because I was realizing maybe they were not being fair and they were they had higher expectations of me and some other people in the course mm-hmm. um, versus uh le- lesser expectations for a few other people and for me i that didn't sit well i thought that we all needed to play at the same level yeah um, we were in college and 
if I was going to get a B because that professor didn't think it was up to my potential, but the person who had maybe a lesser potential got an A because that was as much as they could deliver. I didn't like that, Tom. I, yeah, um, no. I didn't sit right with me. And it was one of the very first, maybe not the very first time, you should probably ask a few other people, me speaking up. Um, but I really spoke up and I, I talked to those two teachers and I said, listen, I love this course, but I'm probably going to be the first person to drop this class because I think that there is some favoritism happening. And I was very upfront with them. And I mean, I remember most of the, most of the dance people, the choreographers waited after because they saw that I went into that room and it was like a glass it was like a glass office. Oh, <laughs> a fishbowl. It was like a fishbowl and me and two major professors, which I loved. I loved, loved, loved. I loved them. But I was like, you know what? I think I have to drop this course. Like, I, I don't think that this is right. And I and I felt the need to stand up and say something. And I think that was the start of my, my voice in choreography and, like, kind of finding out who I was as a choreographer. Mm. Um, and what I stood for and what I appreciated. And I know if I didn't care about choreography i wouldn't have said anything in that course i would have just yeah, let it go right. but it, because yeah. i cared about so much of what i was doing and i wanted all of us to be on an even playing field i said something so and i'm really glad i did because the course only got exponentially stronger we wound up the dance the dance component of it she wound up working with the filmmakers and the the film instructor started working with the dancers so we really got this cross um pollination working yeah. together like we really, as choreographers, understood what filmmakers do in films for dance, and mm. he was teaching us. So he, it wasn't the the dance teacher just talking over our heads about these pieces and stuff. And we wanted to know, like they asked us, "What do you guys want to know?" And we said, "Hey, listen, we want to know about things that are relevant." And that 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 time it was Chicago. So he's like, "You know what? You guys want to know about this? Here goes. This is they did Chicago in a humongous open space. They, you mm. know." Subblock Tangle, you can see there's billions of people. He's like, they did it with one camera. So he was like going out off. Um, he was telling us all these great things that we we didn't realize. We were just so caught up in all the dancey portion of it that we didn't realize the filmmaking behind it. So we he really taught us the filmmaking behind it and gave us the ability to think past where we could as choreographers and into the film in world. Well, it's a totally invaluable experience because mm -hmm. so many people don't understand how much effort goes into behind the scenes but you have yeah. this class where you can like experience both what amazing love that mm -hmm. yeah it was a pretty fun and i mean i think all of those things led like led to my decisions leaving leaving college it was a hard choice for me uh, i think i talked about it a little bit before but when i was getting ready to leave college i kind of was like what am i gonna do now Mm. And I went to, I think I talk about this in Karen's um, podcast too. We, um, I went to New York City with her because Towson is only a couple hours away from New York City. She's like, come to, come with me to an audition. I said, I don't want to go to an audition right now. And she's mm. like, just come with me. You can go to the city. We can visit our friend. So we visit our friend. I go to the audition. Lo and behold, it is for Stiletto Entertainment. I didn't realize. Right. Yeah. I didn't realize at all. Um, I go and they're filming their documentary for it so i'm like whisked into this documentary and we have this callbacks and we were like we had to say all these things and they interviewed us and i was like what's happening here <laughs> um so my friend karen i wind up staying and i'm like oh my gosh so this thing is could this could be happening so i yeah. this is a feasible job for me working on cruise ships um so she calls me and she's like, hey, can you come out in the middle of like the beginning of the year? And I said, listen, I've I've spent four years in college. I'm walking. I'm definitely yeah. walking the stage. Um, and at the same time, I was in talks with uh, River North Chicago, a jazz company in Chicago, about potentially dancing with them. So I was in talks with Frank out in, in Chicago yeah. and with Stephanie in L.A. Yeah. Uh, I go out, I go out to Chicago during finals, um, to audition. It was like a three or four day audition for, um, for River North. And I love mm -hmm. the company. I love the repertoire. I love everything about them. I think I wasn't ready at that point. I was, I was trying to tie up my loose ends of college and I wasn't ready yeah. to like throw my entire brain into it. Yeah. Um, so I wound up 
getting the call that I got it. I got a contract on my birthday in 2005. So on like April 15th or something, my birthday's on the 14th, Uh April 15th. I got the call. Stephanie said, great. I'm signing you. You have a job. We're going to put you on the Osterdam. So it was, um, (laughs) it was one of their bigger ships at the time. And they're like, you'll Mm -hmm. come out. I think I was at home. I think I graduated. I came home for maybe two weeks and I was in LA. Wow. On my first re- rehearsing for my first cruise ship contract in the summer of 2005. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's, that's such a quick turnaround. Yeah. I mean, that's it often, was bam. It was so quick. And that's often quite unheard of. I mean, a lot of people have to have to tread the boards of the audition room for a while before they even start to get seen. Yeah, I mean, back in this day, they were they were hiring people. I mean, yeah. I think sometimes that's how it is too. You, if you're the right place at the right time, and you you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, and you're loving what you're doing, and you're committing, I think that there is there's always that potential there. Okay, that's that's amazing. So, how long were you with Stiletto Entertainment? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I I did uh, my first contract one, two. I did two normal contracts. I say normal in length. They were about six months long. Yep. And then I went on this like extra super long, super duper three contracts together. Oh, okay. So I went basically three contracts in a row. I had I had taken a break to go to my sister's wedding i had taken a mini break in the middle of my second contract because there you're not allowed to stay on a ship for like ever no. so i went home for a couple weeks and during those couple weeks uh jill hillier she invited me to come out and teach at stiletto one of the mm-hmm. shows that i had done and i said you know what i think it's a really good idea and she thought that it was yeah, i would be a good fit for it so i went out there on my break and i mm-hmm. taught for them and then I went back to my contract. I finished out a couple. I think I was there for another eight more months. So I think in total it was 16 months okay. um, on Nordam. And then I transitioned. Jill said, I reached out to her. I said, Jill, my contract's almost over. Do you have anything? Can we discuss it? She said, yes. So I, I'm pretty sure after Nordam, I moved to Las Vegas. I drove my car to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And Las Vegas is only four hours from LA. And I yeah. was I was teaching pretty wow. quickly after I got I left the ship. I was teaching um shows that I had done. Um and then it just the ball kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And I kept picking up um all the other shows that they wanted me to, and I loved it. I loved that that where it put my brain teaching, but also like giving information, directing started to become a thing that I was doing. And I really loved that as well. And there's like a creative aspect to, you know, staging people. And I was always really good with numbers growing up. So putting people in places and seeing how patterns go and numbers mm-hmm. and where people stand on stage, that was always something that I love, love, love doing. So that yeah, it just was, and I can remember long periods of choreography. Um, so it was, a. Uh, all these skills just like pointed in the direction of like, this is what I was doing. And I mean, the yeah. people that I worked with were incredibly talented. And the one, one of my favorite jobs I've ever had was teaching at Stiletto. Wow. So mm-hmm. I, I only asked this question because I don't know what the steps are between. Did mm-hmm. you go from Stiletto to Celebrity where we met? Oh, yeah. So I taught from... That min that very first time I taught for Stiletto was in 2007, and I stayed I stayed with Stiletto until 2015. Wow. Um, yeah. So I was teaching there. What's that? Eight years. Yep. Seven years. That was your yeah. Seven years. Seven or eight years. Yeah. I was off yep. and on. Um, I had moved to to New York in the meantime as well. I left. I was. I lived. I overlapped in Vegas for two years. So in 09. Either in 09 or 10, I moved fully to to L.A. And then I think in 2011, I moved to New York. So I was okay. doing bi-coastal. So I was doing stuff in New York. And then I was flying back to L.A. And, of course, you that that um, trip to work is very far. So it yes. became... It became... <laughs> 
it became a lot. So I kind of retracted a little bit. And then I started feeling more comfortable um, being in L.A. more. So then I started, you know, going back to L.A. more. And then lo and behold, circumstances arose and I had to leave New York. Um, bad situations happened. And I, I immediately, abruptly left New York and I yeah. went back to L.A. for a few projects that were still remaining. And then I was heading home to teach summer camps for Angela. Mm-hmm. I had reached out to my, our friend Paula. Paul, and I said, Paula, hey, do you you know, I heard that there's celebrity, I think is down there. Do you have any contact? And she said, sure. Um, and she gave me like the generic celebrity email address. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this perfect. Thanks. Ways. Yes. I said, yes. thanks Paula. I'll do it. I was in LA. Um, she, that was Thursday. I sent my resume on Friday. I flew to Fort Lauderdale on Saturday to, mm-hmm. um, get ready for my summer camp. Um, on Tuesday, Stephanie Jansen called me. On Wednesday, I went to an interview at the new, the newly opened studio. Yep. And then I think on Thursday or Friday, she hired me. And wow. Then, yeah. And then uh, two, so quick. Yeah, very quick. Well, you have to remember the celebrity was just going in house. Yeah. I mean, I think Caitlin was there, Sean was there, maybe Lindsay. They were still yeah. trying to get a few other people going, but they had taken on board all nine of their ships, and yeah. they were they were just starting that eighteen and eighteen. So they yeah, need because you you stepped on on the Solstice One creation, didn't you? Correct. So yeah. they were needing people to be part of these expansively long, expansive yeah. projects. So I she hired me on Friday. I had to wait to talk to Becky like the next week, but we weren't getting any word. So, and she wanted me in the studio the very next Monday. So within two weeks of less than two weeks of me meeting Stephanie, I was in the studio with on day number one with celebrity, uh, you know, we were doing theme nights, I think. And that's, and I mean, I stayed, I just stayed with the project for a very long time. Very long time. Um, And that's, it was a very smooth, um, and very interesting. I, I remember, I'm just thinking about the interview with Stephanie. She said, so when did you email me? And I said, you know what, Stephanie? I think I emailed you like on Thursday or Friday. She's like, because your, your email and your resume was the very first person's email that I looked at. I said, aren't I lucky? Wow. <laughs> aren't I lucky? That's and I mean, like fate and destiny, like pitching hardballs right at that, that email. Yeah, and you know, I had gone through a couple, a little bit of a hard time um, the past months before that. So it, that news was really great for me to hear. And my family lives in in South Florida, so knowing that I had a job and I could stay in South Florida and be with my family and see my nephew grow up, I was like over the moon about it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And you were with celebrity for quite a while. I stay with celebrity. Um, 2015 to 2018. Yeah, so three years I was with them. Yeah, and then you, I know this because I was, I, we were friends by this. Mm-hmm. You stepped out of celebrity and into a um, sort of cruise directory, production managery, yeah, general badass on uh, back <laughs> on Holland America. Yeah, I uh, I was realizing if I wanted to take a big giant leap in my career, I needed to learn about the technical side of it. I have, I mean, I had many years of you know, setting choreography, uh, setting casts. Um, I was well versed in that. I knew how to do it. But some part of me, I was going to, I was interviewing for things. I was talking to people and like, oh, you just need to know how, you just need to, te- you need to know about the technical side. And I said, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I better find a job or find something that I can, you know, be the technical side. And Holland America opened up this position called production manager. Um, and they had a position very similar to it, but it was now involving more of the technical aspect of things, the the people and the the equipment. So I was like, let me try. And they were looking for like 15 people. So I was like, okay, it, I don't have to be the very, very, very best, even though I wanted to be the very, very, very best. And I went in every time thinking I was going to be the only person for the job. But they were also hiring a lot of people. And for in all actuality, it was timing for them. If you mm. could go at a specific time, I think 
for me, it sounded like, okay, yeah, you're a perfect candidate for this. Of course, you know, they vetted you through HR and stuff, but when you're talking about like when your availability was, that was something that they highly desired. And that's something that we worked on that I was able to work on with, with those people from Holland America. I said, listen, I need to give them enough notice. I'm doing this. And they understood and they found the perfect fit for me. And I went on cider dam and I, I started this role from scratch on a ship that had already been sailing 16 years. Mm. So imagine the, the a hard already, job. Yeah. The routine that was already in place on Zyderdam um, and then this new position. So it was hard. It was really trying to break people in and just um, regimenting them to something new, a new schedule, exactly. a new way of doing something. It took about two months and then we started getting back. We got it. You know, things started going. New things were happening. They were doing new initiatives. And then the new ship was coming out and I was so lucky. I went to a, a conference and... I shared some ideas with with the with the brand and the company, and then they asked me if I wanted to do it, and I said I would love to. And so I managed. Uh, I rolled out their new ship, which was New Stottenham, and I did that in the s- last winter into last spring. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I mean, that's starting brand new from brand new, which is even harder. Um, yes. But I mean, I I think I say this with uh, my friend Casey. I mean, you're peeling plastic off of like your desk and your computer and you're putting in, you know, you're starting a brand new folder in your computer that's never been started before. You know, you're looking through emails that you're like, it says 10, 10 emails. You're like, okay, great. Nobody cleared this out before. I have 10 emails. I mean, that lasted all of one day. But but I'm trying new things out like brand new silverware, brand new cutlery, brand new, all of these things. It was incredible. I mean, and I was managing technicians. I was managing equipment. I was managing bands, very Mm -hmm. like high end bands from billboard magazine from, I mean, BB Kings blues club. I was managing Mm -hmm. all these people. I was, um, had the honor of hosting and being the production manager on board for, um, Oprah Winfrey and her girls getaway cruise with yes. Gail King. So it I mean, it was a whirlwind. It was a whirlwind of three months. I mean, yep. I blinked and I was tired. Well, I, I was about to say, I remember because I, like, I came and visited you while I was yes. on install. And I, I think it was probably the worst I've ever seen you because you were just like a zombie. You were, you were totally checked out, not of your job, but you were checked out of your own body, essentially. Yes. I mean, that's probably the most tired I have ever been. I mean, it was hard work. I now I appreciate what all those people do and the amount of work that they put into it. And then I said, listen, I think I need I need to sleep for a while. (laughs) So I took (laughs) a year. I I took a few steps back and I said, uh, I talked to I talked to my boss and I said, listen, I think I need to just I need to try land for a little bit longer. Yeah. So I just took a step back and she she understood and she was thankful that I, you know, at least talked to her about it and didn't just like pull the plug all all together. Yeah. Well, like as one thing I've learned in this industry is don't burn your bridges. Yeah, of course. You have to. So, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. You can't do it because it always comes back to bite you eventually. Mm-hmm. Especially in this cruise line industry. I mean, it's so small. I mean, look, I know you and you live in Australia and you know those mm-hmm. people and then all of a sudden circles back and we're back in Fort Lauderdale again where I live. That's like cruise ship heaven. It's the Mecca yep. of cruise ships in South yep. Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you, you've left you've left Holland America and that was only very recently. So what? just give us a quick rundown of what's in the future for you right now. Yeah, so this podcast was something that I really, really wanted to do. Um, I guess I was finding that need to... What what next? I mean, a couple milestones in my life. What's next? You know, high mm-hmm. school after high school. What's next after college? What's next after Stiletto? Yeah. What's next after leaving Holland America or taking a break from Holland America? I didn't know. Nobody yeah. nobody told me what what to do after all these things. Not in school, not in high school, not in college. Nobody prepared me for that. No. So I was like, I was thinking, gosh, I was talking to all these really, all my really great friends who were very well off in the profession it's like this is what i need i need i need this therapy over the phone with people and they just need to record it and make it a podcast (laughs) (laughs) i am like i'm selfishly giving myself therapy 
<laughs> shall we shall we rename the podcast to tease therapy yeah. entertainment and showbiz yeah. experience yes tease yes buy on therapy thank you yeah. we i will rename season two tease tj's <laughs> entertainment yeah. Yeah. and showbiz experiences thank you i appreciate that title you can take ownership of that one as well <laughs> you can do a new a new voiceover for me but i mean yeah. There was, I felt the need for this. And yeah. I was like, I need people to understand what these people know. I was, yeah. I felt like selfish. I would talk to like Jill and I would talk to my, I would talk to Angela and I would talk to all these people. I'm like, how did I get so lucky that I know all these are fantastic people and they're just sharing this information? I was like, uh, I need to harness this idea and kind of give it to more people because I needed to know it. I didn't know any of these things when I was in high school. I didn't know any of these things when I was in college. Why can't more people know about this stuff? So that was, this is like a, a kind of one of my passions that I really have dived deep into. No, and I, I mean, I'll, I'll full transparency. I learned how to do majority of podcasting on YouTube. I mean, yeah. we live in that society. I mean, you have exactly. a fantastic YouTube channel and oh, like you, you can learn so much from YouTube yeah. and, there's so much garbage out there, yes, but there's so many informative things to watch, 100%. to listen to. So I um, I decided I was going to, I had enough, I had enough watching other people on YouTube mukbang and I spent <laughs> hours, hours of mukbanging. And I was like, I can do this. I'm not going to eat in front of the camera, but I'm going to do this. So I sat down, I had time off. I was like, I'm going to do this. Well, um, hats off to you because what you've created is something very not only very special because for, for someone like me to sit down and listen to them, even I'm learning things. And I've, I've been around the, the track a couple of times, yeah. um, but every chance that I get, I, I tell people about this and I hope that so many more people can stumble upon this and find out about this because the people that you've interviewed are 100% amazing. And they've got so many different, different viewpoints of this industry to tell. And I think it's really important that everyone knows that. So you've nailed the brief. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And you're right. The, every every person that I've talked to is, has been amazing and a, a very good therapist, I must say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what? Let's let's wrap up this this um section. Podcast, oh, this what, section. What else am I doing? I am I am integrating arts into public school curriculum. So I go to. I am currently going to seven public schools in South Florida. I do six visits and I'm integrating um, arts and I'm trying to attach their language art standards with a dance standard and mm -hmm. we do movement. So I'm doing movement that that is associated with key ideas and details. I do a couple lessons on cause and effect and, um, and compare and contrast and then inferencing. So we really try to teach teachers how to feel comfortable in class teaching movement. And it's mm -hmm. all it's as little as, you know, if that vocabulary word is grateful, what does grateful look like rather yeah. than explain to me what grateful is? And they're like, uh, uh, uh. And I always tell people, I tell kids, I said, instead of trying to uh and like and um me, just show me. I, you could do it yeah. in one second and I'll be like, yes or no. So that's what we, we're really trying to. I think arts in schools is essential. I came, I'm a product of that in Broward County. I was in arts. So this project is full circle for me. Um, and I've been loving it. I'm almost halfway done with a few schools. So it's been a great project. Um, on top of that, I work at the Broward Center. I'm a teaching artist there. I uh, teach musical theater. Um, we're getting ready to, I think I can announce. Yes, we are uh, gearing up to do the pilot uh uh, show for something rotten junior we're going to be the first um first area or the first school that does it so we're Amazing. gearing up for that yeah it's gonna be that. a fun project and then we're, we're all i'm also doing the movement component to a group called the spotlights it's a youth group uh grades four through 12 that basically represent Broward Center out in the community sing dance they do all those night all those amazing things i'm also I also teach at night at Angela's. I'm on I'm on faculty at Dance Dimensions, and mm -hmm. I am helping with the ballet this year. Um, what else am I trying to do in my <laughs> spare time? <laughs> I, spare time. I mean, I, what people don't know is I the very first thing I told you was I am tired. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. tired. Today. <laughs> I was tired today, but I mean, every day I get up, I'm really 
I am just knowing when I go into schools and I see kids that wouldn't normally have this, that are thriving, the shy kids that are doing, the people that are so scared in the first visit and then on the third visit, they're the most outgoing kid out there is transformative. And I think teachers are seeing it. I see it on a daily basis. Um, So I turned into this teacher. I've Mm. I've turned into a a teacher, but maybe I think I've always been a teacher my entire life. And I now, all signs are pointing to me letting, giving people information, whether it be uh, audio on my podcast or a visual. I mean, well, I also forgot. I also teach um, senior arts, elder arts. I just taught oh, a right. class for AvMed for 65 and over. Super fun. I love that. But, yeah. Yes. So I'm doing like, I, you know, I see people uh, today. I had people that were like six. And then, you know, on the same day, I would have somebody that's 70. And I, every age range in between. And I, yeah. all the arrows are pointing to teaching, informing, doing for other people, which has been great. I love that. So it, in, in forms of, of passing on information, you always wrap out your podcast with a top five. I'm not going to ask ah. you to do a top five because we didn't talk about this. Yeah. Um, but I just want you to give, if you can give me five, great. But okay. just words of wisdom that you've learned over your years. What What are some of the words of wisdom that have stuck with you from people that you've learned from or people that you met that resonate with you the most? Oh, gosh. Let me think about this for a second. Don't worry. I'll edit this pause out yeah. and, we'll, <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Um, words of wisdom that i going through. You know, so I was talking about uh, Paul Taylor and college. Um, this one, um, Ruth Adrian came to set this uh, incredible work that Paul Taylor did. Um, and he she's setting it on our, on our university. And we had a lot of one-on-ones together, me and her, and she invited me to go to the to the um, to the audition that they were having, and they only have like one every ten years or something. She's like, "You need to go." And then I went, and it didn't go well. And she sat down with me, and she said, "Listen, you're like the moon during the day. You're gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You're beautiful. Everybody knows that, but people always wonder why." why is the moon out during the day? <laughs> and I always was like, what is happening? I never thought about it, but it was something yeah. that's always stuck with me. Like there was no, I didn't always have a real purpose of moving and I didn't always know why. And I think that's, um, that's something that really stuck out to me. Um, what's another one? Words of wisdom. Um, I think I always, sometimes don't always listen too much. So these things kind of go <laughs> over my head. Uh, I I have people tell me things all the time and I'm always like, I'm going to remember that. And I just, I, I never do. I never do. <laughs> I, I, never I think, do. I think the moon one is perfect. It perfectly yeah. sums up like, yes. And I think, um, gosh, if I had to give words of wisdom, I think in my later years like later like i'm like i'm nearing 90 or something in my uh, after i turned 30 i realized i was not focusing my attention in the correct areas if that was Mm. with teaching or if that was with my own personal life or anything and i really had to start focusing and i became a much calmer person in my 30s because i was i mean anxiety i had Mm. panic attacks i was i was I mean, I was, I literally thought I was going crazy at one time. I had, and mental health is something very important. And I wasn't giving myself yeah. the the proper care that I needed. And I was in a bad place. I think in my mind, I was stressed. I was, um, I was panicking about a lot of things, about what ifs, what could, could have done. I, I always think, I think there's, um, those thoughts always went through my head and, um, I, I think about something that Hannes, right? Hannes said in her podcast and she mm-hmm. said, you know, sometimes people don't always make it to, to be successful. They don't always get that job or they don't always get, uh, what they want 
at the time. And what I realized in my later years is I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't I didn't get into that company. I didn't get that audition um, because it probably wasn't the right fit for me right then. Mm, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't ready for it. Did I want it? Did I did I cry about it all the time? Yes. Is it soul crushing when you don't get something that you think you want and you think you deserve? Absolutely. And I was going through that pretty recently. I was interviewing for a lot of things and I was talking to a lot of people and it was soul crushing. And I told myself, maybe I'm not ready for it. And I mm. had to really get my mental health back and say, what am I ready for? And ever, ever since I switched my my frame of thought to what am I ready for? everything just kind of fell in place. And every yeah. morning when I wake up, I always say, man, maybe I'm not, maybe, maybe I am a phony. Maybe these kids are going to see that I am not a teacher and I don't know what I'm talking about. But then I go and I do and I think, wow, no, I think I am a teacher. I am able to do these things. This is something that I am ready for. Yeah. And what my coulda, shoulda, what is, what could have happened if I took that job in, in Chicago? What happens if I, if I did get that, you know, musical in LA or I mean in, in New York? What if I did get that music video in, in, in LA? Or what if I did stay in, in Vegas and dance? And, you know, those are all things that I dream about and I wish about and I always think about. But what am I ready for? This is what I'm ready for. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I, in my later years, in my 30s, I realized like, yes, I can't always push for something that's not supposed to be there. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's um, that, that's amazing. That's amazing advice. And it's so nice to be able to hear your side of the story after hearing you interview so many amazing people. So thank you, TJ, for sharing your entertainment and showbiz experience. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy. It was, awesome. I love hearing your voice and I miss you so much and you're on the other side of the world and we have to plan to see each other at some point. Hopefully soon. All right. Thanks, Tommy. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining in on the conversation. To view additional content, follow E's podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe and leave comments on the episode wherever this podcast can be found.